20 minutes to 11, and we're going to Wellington now to the RNZ studio to talk to Colin Peacock with Midweek Media Watch. Kia ora, Colin. Hi, Karen. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. I think I got measles on uh, day two of primary school. Oh. And, uh, and then it was away for about 10 days or something, got a slow start. Do you remember it? Yeah, yeah dimly. Very, very dimly. No, I think just because my mum told me that's what happened. But I caught up. With school, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> All right, that was good. <laughs> All right, Media Watch. Uh, the headline here says, Old Lady Tells Some Media Home Truths. Who on earth are you talking about? Yeah, it's not a, a term I would use, but she is a self-described old lady. This is uh, Dorothy Byrne, uh, and she is one of the UK's longest-serving female TV executives. She's the head of news and current affairs at Channel 4. And uh, I, I listened to her lecture. In fact, I watched it uh, on YouTube, uh, the McTaggart Lecture. This is a kind of uh, keynote address every year for uh, the UK media industry. Um, when they have the Edinburgh Festival um, at the UK, on the, on the end of it, they have the Edinburgh Television Festival. And pretty much anyone who's anyone in the UK TV business goes up there on expenses. And uh, they have a, a good old... Um, conference and this McTaggart lecture is the high point of it. I, I just I went to it once and it was pretty vivid experience and um, it's quite cool. They leave the conference centre and go to the old um, historic um, venue in, in Edinburgh and for, for the lecture and so it becomes a kind of um, part pub crawl on the way and then this um, this keynote address which is a sort of a almost a sermon and they've had some notable people like Rupert Murdoch's delivered one um, his son, uh, one of his sons, James, has delivered one. Kevin Spacey, they got to do it a few years back, um, a bit before his um, his kind of uh, showbiz disgrace. Um, so, and, and, it, and they've all made really good points, and these these lectures are taken seriously. But Dorothy Burns' one was great because just thinking about it in terms of um, what we're going through right now, with everyone thinking. The media is really up in the air. Commercial media companies and the television in particular has got real financial struggles. The future of it is in jeopardy. The government's really thinking about what sort of policy we need. And uh, she gave this really strong um, speech about how, yes, uh, there's a lot of content, there's a lot of online platforms and things are getting difficult for these old kind of legacy media organisations as they're often described but that she th still thought that television had a hold on the audience that no other kind of um, platform has and, and I'd like to play um, a couple of clips actually from what she said um, here's one where she warned TV bosses and editors to keep their confidence in the medium and not get sort of um, as she put it hypnotised by the success of stuff like um, podcasts and online streaming series that, that get a lot of um, impact if we are worried about becoming irrelevant, one of the best things we can do is to start making big controversial programmes about the UK which put us back at the heart of public debate as we used to be. We're all desperate for young audiences. Millions of young people are now politically aware and active. They're prepared to spend hours listening to extraordinarily serious podcasts often authored by some pretty heavy-duty thinkers. They're searching for alternative ways of seeing the world and for answers to major issues like climate change and the viability of our current financial systems. A great TED Talk can get millions of views. We have to stop being afraid of serious analysis authored by big, brainy people. We have the ability and we have the airtime 
Let's make some really clever and difficult programmes. Very good, but why aren't they? Well, I think she seems to think they've they've lost uh, confidence in the medium. The fact they've still got that big audience, they're scared of losing it and their margins falling. Because Channel 4 is a, is a commercial uh, channel, albeit um, one that's got its own little niche in the market alongside a, a, a thoroughly commercial outfit in, in Britain and the BBC with, uh, I think, three or four channels now that are completely non-commercial. But the problem is she seemed to be saying all the good stuff had come from things like HBO and Netflix and that they'd lost confidence in in producing stuff that really had an impact and just saying, look, they have the audience, they have the ability, they've got the structure, they should just start using it again and not sort of um, seeding the cutting edge of stuff that's socially important to these these other services. And um, she had a bit more to say about that. I mean, specifically on, um, it seems to wind her up a bit, the amount of uh, that, that people go on and on about Netflix because it's novel and the things it offers. And she thought there were actually um, a lot of things that, Netflix doesn't provide that television in the Britain does. I counted 29 different programs on Netflix about drugs. I wonder if there's a drug cartel anywhere in the world that's not currently being filmed by a streaming service. <laughs> there's also a plethora of programs about serial killers. Now, programs about mass murdering drug laws lords will contribute nothing to the reinvention of the UK's political landscape. But when we do major investigations here in Britain, like Channel 4 News' investigation alongside that of Carol Cadwallader into Cambridge Analytica, they gain huge traction. The public appetite is there. Mm, Netflix is instant gratification, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it is a bit of a shame in the sense that um, Netflix has just produced The Great Hack, which you talked about with Jeremy yes. on Midweek Media Watch recently. Very and, true. And Carol Cadwallader, who she mentioned there, the journalist who, uh, you know, fearlessly broke open the story of Cambridge Analytica. I mean, she features very heavily in that. So in a sense, it's not as if Netflix always shies away from this. But I see her point there saying if you really want to crack a big issue like that, you're more likely uh, to want to do it or to be able to do it on a, a big, broad national television network, not one that's focused on its analytics, a service like Netflix, in giving the people what they always want. And I, I just thought it was interesting listening to what she said. I make it all sound very heavy, but the speech is, is really, really funny. And the YouTube video, you can click on it. It's on the Midweek Media Watch page on uh, Media Watch uh, section of the RNZ website. Um, it's about 45 minutes long, but yeah, she's very funny, uh, has a lot of um, stories about rampant sexism in the industry as well. When she uh, joined it as, as a young woman many years ago, started working on really groundbreaking television programs like World in Action and Panorama and, you know, doing great work, but unfortunately experiencing some, some pretty horrific sexism along the way, which was a shame. It kind of taints her memories of it. But what she's doing there is saying, you know, let's look forward. Let's think about what the role of these big uh, media organisations that have a lot of heritage behind them now really is and I wish we could do that here in this country where like I say everything's up in the air and we don't really have a forum for the media like that Edinburgh um, Television and Media Festival that they have in the UK Um, it's, it's a bit of a shame and I'd like to see a bit more discussion of people within the media making speeches like that saying well this is what we really think are the important things we need to do let's work out the ways of doing them.
That's a good idea. And a very strong focus, though, on the news. And personally, I'd like to see the focus shifted to the arts for state-owned media. Yeah, well, all of that. I mean, in fact, that Edinburgh TV festival that I mentioned, it's not all about the news. It's really interesting. In the year that I went, um, they even, because American cable television, was this is in the early 2000s, was really taking off. They brought in Jerry Springer uh, to do the keynote stuff at the festival and uh, Geraldo Rivera, who um, you know was, was really breaking through on, on Fox News. A controversial figure, um, indeed, and also Ricky Gervais was there because the office had just come out and was um, was collecting all the BAFTA awards and so on in the UK. He was in the position of being able to commission or suggest get off the ground any project he wanted. Uh, and about two years earlier, um, he was absolutely in, in the doldrums, barely recognised as a talent in the UK industry. So yeah, they they, they do look at the, the talent across a whole range of um, of genres, and they discuss the whole business all through in this festival. And it'd be great if we had something a bit like that, where people got up and gave speeches like Dorothy Burns' uh, McTaggart lecture at the Edinburgh Festival. And you mentioned Carol Cadwallader. Uh, she's also talking about well her story that she broke. Yeah, well, this is um, actually uh, I heard it again. What what triggered me to go and watch her her famous TED talk? A lot of people might have seen this in their social media feeds. It was on um, RNZ National's TED Talk Hour in the weekend. It's actually one she gave, I think, all the way back in April um, about social media being a threat to democracy. And interestingly, at the time that she gave it uh, on her own social media output, she was saying, "Look, I'm absolutely crippled." with fear about public speaking and being exposed on that TED Talk stage uh, in front of an audience in California was absolutely terrifying to her. But she did a great job. It's it's a really good one. So, again, the video to that is on uh, the Midweek Media Watch page on the RNZ website if you go and take a look there. But um, here's a little uh, part of the conclusion to what ended up being a, a very powerful TED Talk. And it is not about left or right or leave or remain or Trump or not. It's about whether it's actually possible to have a free and fair election ever again. Because as it stands, I don't think it is. And so my question to you is, is this what you want? Is this how you want history to remember you? As the handmaidens to authoritarianism that is on the rise all across the world. Because you set out to connect people and you are refusing to acknowledge that the same technology is now driving us apart. And my question to everybody else is, is this what we want? To let them get away with it and to sit back and play with our phones as this darkness falls? Oh, she did well. Yeah, she really, really did. Um, so I would urge people to have a, have a look at that. And interestingly, uh, I just checked up on her because I knew she'd launched a, a crowdfunding campaign and I wasn't quite sure why or what she was trying to get off the ground there. But it turns out uh, she's being sued by Aaron Banks, um, a funder of the Leave EU campaign on behalf of Nigel Farage. Um, So she says, I'm going to be tied up in litigation for months um, in a move that press freedom organisations call an abuse of law to silence a journalist. Uh, So she's trying to get money to both back her journalism and to fight uh, these legal moves. And uh, the goal uh, that was set was 300,000 
British pounds, so what's that, about 600,000 of our dollars. And uh, just as we stand tonight, she's about 2,000 pounds away from hitting that goal. And I flipped down the list to look at the, the donations that are coming in at large sums and small ones, and I saw you know five or six names of people I used to work with you know 15 years ago or more in the UK donating to her campaign. So, yeah, she's nearly there with that 300,000 pounds. So, yeah, I hope that's enough to be able to fight off those legal threats. Oh, that's phenomenal. Mm, well, Incredible. I, again, you know, that um, that TED Talk is probably uh, the thing that has given her more visibility than anything else because of those social media networks, which she's been exploring uh, the abuse of. It's kind of an irony because, yeah, she appears in things like The Great Hack, does her journalism with, I think, um, The Observer uh, newspaper and on Channel 4, the project that Dorothy Byrne, uh, who we heard from earlier, commissioned. Um, but I'm, I'm guessing that um, actually worldwide when a TED Talk thing like that goes viral on a big topic along with the, the publicity over the Cambridge Analytica that's actually what gives her her profile and, and the ability to be able to launch a crowdfunding campaign like that one. Well, Colin, we've got time for one more quick story. What are you going to dish up? Yeah, well, there's uh, been, while we're on the theme of multimedia journalism, the Stuff Circuit team produced a documentary called Infinite Evil, which is an absolute you know, TV, almost cinema quality uh, multimedia production, effectively about a 50-minute documentary about hate on the internet. That's been pretty well publicised this week. It's up there on the new Play Stuff platform, which you can see for free. Uh, I think Māori Television screened it too. Um, but there's another one, another Stuff multimedia project that went under the radar a little in comparison to that. Um, it's by Florence Kerr, who's a senior reporter at the Waikato Times, and Tony Wall, who I think mostly writes in the Sunday Star Times, but a very uh, experienced and investigative journalist. And it's called uh, No Place to Live, a kaore te kainga, kaore te ora. Um, and it's a really eye-opening four-part account of life right now in Northland, and it zeroes in on horrendous disparities in housing. Um, some really excellent visuals uh, by Lawrence Smith, uh, the stuff video journalist, and uh, his photographs also showcased in the Sunday Star Times recently. People who read that paper might have seen those. So, yeah, check it all out, and particularly the main multimedia piece. It's really a beautiful production. Uh, it's about Horeke, which they describe as a village with everything and nothing, the third stop for the um, the British when they were traipsing around the country getting the uh, Treaty of Waitangi signed, now a place that's really fallen on hard times and uh, the personal stories there of, of people in poverty and, and uh, trying to get ahead and some people who found life in the towns and cities tough trying to um, return to their um, ancestral home, finding it hard to settle in. It's it's uh, it's difficult read but the visuals, the whole production, the video, everything, it's really excellent. And the amount of money that it must be costing to put them up in the motel. Oh, yeah, that that's true. That's a, a feature of two or three of the stories there. The Northerner Motel, that one photographed by Crystal Yardley, uh, another uh, stuff photo journalist, that motel in Kaitaia, now home to the previously homeless. Um, again, those, those personal stories, really nicely told. And, uh, you know, you do wonder, I, I hope they follow up on the town and these people. It would be fantastic to know what had happened to them um, in the months and years to come. Colin, thanks very much. No worries. Uh, speak to you in a couple of weeks. Yes, we will. And your stories are up on the Media Watch page on RNZ. Sure will. I'll find them there. Okay. Thanks, Colin.